to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. Is a science thing, is a science place, is a scientific fact that we're all up in your face. It's time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, welcome to it. Tonight's special episode. Jarbo. The living Jarbo. I'm very excited to be talking to her. Uh, she's a fantastic she's a lifer you know uh, we're ostensibly celebrating the re-release slash reimagining of blood women roses which was originally came out under the moniker of skin that also was released under wor- the world of skin as the artist's name and now it's just being re-released as uh under her own name jarbo it's a remastered it's great it's awesome sounds sounds fantastic and she's done so much stuff. She's done so much stuff. It's really quite daunting, but incredible. You know, the uh, collaborative album with uh, Neurosis, the stuff with uh, Jezu, the J, uh, J Squared, however you say it. Uh, so many records under her own power, as well as, uh, of course, the Mighty Swans. We're probably going to talk about Swans, spoiler alert. But I'm really excited to have her on. This is this is uh, this is going to be very cool. So uh, ostensibly, skin, blood, women, roses is the name of the reissue record. Just in time for record store day, but uh, we're gonna have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Can't wait to get to it. So yeah, welcome to Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Kona Neutron. I'm a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years. Most known for the band Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this very long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks that may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 286. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at protonicuniversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. But if you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. And if you like the show or even just a single episode, such as this one, please feel free to share it along. Like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. All right. So why don't we get down to it? The Living Jarbo. Let's go. And with us now is the mighty, the relentless, the living Jarbo. 
Jarbo, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. Uh, it's such a pleasure nice to have to be you. Here. It's such a pleasure <laughs> to have you. Uh, you're, you're 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 a busy lady, and uh, and you mm-hmm. do a lot of things. And I appreciate that. That has more or less been unabated uh, coming on these. These are we calling them reissues? I guess they're kind of reissues. Uh, very interesting. It's uh, yeah. I mean, the the vinyl is um, the same audio as the original vinyl. The artwork was reworked um, with Phil Puglio and um, whom I know from Swans, and and we uh, we made it a little more uh, you know expressive of of the content so that there's a skin graphic image on on the cover and you know the and, and also a, a tint of a, kind of a blood tint to it and yeah. then on the back there's um you know some hands with blood on them to represent the you know the, so the theme is more and the roses are there so it's more of the theme is represented in the the visual and phil did a great job and um so it's been remastered and then revised with the with the art the cd version has all of the you know this thing had 12 inches and, and singles. So those are all on the um, CD version, which is of course longer. So that, so that's been changed to, to include all that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because there was a, I mean, there was a remastering process with this as well too, right? Like that was uh yeah, it's been remastered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, what's, you know, it's been a little while for some of this stuff. Uh, what, what's, what was it like mm-hmm. kind of going back and revisiting it? Was it sort of like a time travel situation or did it, kind of were you able to hear it more as art rather than like whatever the experience was well the interesting thing about hearing yourself um in the beginning of professional uh recordings and professional studios is to note um the way that you sang and, and the way that you expressed yourself and and the different uh, tonalities that you use so it's it's that was very interesting for me to hear to hear uh to hear myself you know then so this thing was recorded in 1986 yeah. and it came out the same year as children of god it was recorded before children of god and it kind of informed i think the way that children of god came out the swans up and so it was very interesting to hear but some of the some of the tonalities um are the same uh, from the way I would sing, approach the song now, but then others were, were very, were more experimental, and and so for me to do that now, I would be going into a real heightened state of performance. Yeah. So like, so for example, the song "Red Rose," um, it's extremely high, piercing vocals throughout that, and so that kind of super high, um, you know screechy kind of super high kind of stuff very fragile like a like a little girl that that kind of stuff for me to do that now is more of a a go into like a a serious theatrical performance mindset instead of it just coming out of me you know it's just yeah 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 so i'm I'm much more i think I, i think the singing is um has developed through the years and so now i know when i'm in character zone and when i am um you know, being uh, more of like the the, the full voiced uh, woman tonality compared to the character tonality. If any of that makes sense to anybody, but anyway, so yeah, so it's very interesting revisiting the vocabulary that I was using. Well, because voices do change over the years. I mean, at least in some small level, and certainly the person behind it hopefully is is changing as well. So that's why I ask about the time travel sort of <laughs> sort of business because of it. Yeah, because it, it can't transform. Yeah. 
I'm very uh, 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 proud of the uh, the cover versions that we did on this. The, yeah. the, my version of "Cry Me, Cry Me a River," and and I I took that song because that introduced what I would do later with "Black Eyed Dog," "Can't Find My Way Home." I mean, the, these these kind of ideas of uh, making the song your own. So instead of it being a cover version like you would see in a lounge act somewhere, it was it became um, more of an interpretation. So the interpretation of Crimea River is you know it's it's pretty intense and and there's a, a background vocals that are rather subliminal of kind of weeping and moaning and it's I, I think it's a very expressive and, and um, heartfelt rendering of that song and you know it originally uh, was more of a coy kind of a kind of a song you know julie london so, yeah. so i think that london, my yeah. version is is not coy at all no. <laughs> not not what i would use to describe uh, it no yeah <laughs> no but but you know it's it's a very interesting journey and then 1000 years was inspired by the anne rice novels i was reading at the time yeah so that's a va- vampiric narrative so she is a vampire singing about her her um being exhausted from just the life and that, you know, her body is a temple stolen from the Lord. So the vampiric theme uh, is what we kind of carried out with the artwork. Um, the man I love. Yeah. Which course, is the Gershwin. Is a, like it's like, <laughs> right. If I remember yeah. So, so that's done in a very breathy tonality. Yeah. And so it's kind of fragile and, and, um, and, you know, breathy, but it's deliberately, back to back with come out and so you know so there's sort of a queer element there with um you know the 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 you know the singing about you know the man i love and building a little home and who would leave that and then backed with come out which you know is a lot more um, bombastic and and deliberately meant to be rather humorous so you know because it's just so bold and brazen and then, so 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 very juxtaposition, you know, the juxtaposition of um, of of you know the the personas, the characters, right? And and I'm thinking that you know during the time of that uh, the the world of skin record, I mean that was that was around the children of God time. So you're you're still like opening the Swan shows, like doing blackmail, like to a loop. Right, I mean, along those lines, as far as just being, it was yeah, unadorned. it was. I created a a, a cyclical um, uh, uh, sound on my keyboard, and so I could get it to kind of repeat. And so I would just, you know, primarily I would just open. I was seeing that um, alone. Yeah. And of course, the interesting thing is the very first song that I did, not performing the the keyboard, but singing the very first song i did that was in new york city and i walked in on stage alone and and uh and and i did um blackmail to to the to the loop you know to the and but it was a but they 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 processed it you know we processed it to where the sound man and then what michael and i created with the keyboard we processed it to where it was a lot more experimental sounding than just a a simple notes and there was a lot of background vocals i had recorded before that i kind of put to the lead vocal but again completely alone and so that was really great because <laughs> that uh, that prepared me for what was going to happen right. in the group, which was <laughs> yeah. i would frequently come out alone and start the show 
and then of course be the intermission or relief i guess it was from the from the loud music in the middle of the show and then frequently would come out at the end as the encore of the show so it was a great juxtaposition of of you know of the two of us the dynamic with with that and and it really culminated with to me as my my most favorite moment in the entire duration of being in swans was doing my version my interpretation vocally for i crawled and that ran through all the different voices it ran through the different yeah. characters the different tonalities and so i turned it into a drama piece telling a story and so at the end i go into sub voice uh which uh is extremely brittle low uh you know almost like today you would call it like a metal voice very hard right, very low yeah. and that was all done with performance was none of that was was effects it was done with just the controlling what the body can do so she goes from breathy to you know fragile little girl lost to being uh let's how do we put it uh demonized by the beast at the end so that to me was was great to be able to showcase all those voices and it was just fitting you know for all the training all the all the uh, practice throughout the years to to have do that live and just to be able to run with it that was great <laughs> yeah i mean and do you think is that something that and knowing the type of performances, especially that you're doing with swans and that intensity is you have to like almost draw a contrast to a certain degree, but there's also the challenges of, you know, PA systems and maybe you aren't always up to snuff uh, as well. Right. So, do, I mean, was that something that you really found that you had to give a lot of thought to and did that kind of for me touring uh, in in swans and even touring now touring is all about the next show yeah. and so i'm always in, in ready and so what that means is is i finish the show i am immediately going to sleep and getting up and and eating well taking vitamins uh, you know, doing a workout uh, as best I can in my in the room, hotel room, whatever. And and so I'm always, I'm never, I'm not one of these people that kind of has an excessive lifestyle when they're touring. I never have, and so so I never had any problems at all doing doing that visceral of, of performance. The voice kept intact, everything kept intact, and um, you know, and and when you have the ability to kind of muster up like all of your focus, all of your energy, all of your adrenaline to what you're there to do, then you have no problems. You just have to have that focus come in like a beam, you know, and just, just direct it into to your performance. And your all the energy and all the power comes. And it's, it's kind of an amazing process. Yeah, and, and you know, certainly can't, can't argue with the results, but it's, it's as much a lifestyle choice right as, as as much as anything else to a certain degree uh, as far yeah, as yeah you know the, there were there were days like i can remember it was i think it was paris and one of the british um uh papers you know the the the, the weekly papers that were so important in those days for for musicians yeah. they uh they sent over the just journalists were amazing i mean they you know they went to you know oxford i mean they were <laughs> Yeah, they were extremely yeah, yeah. articulate, <laughs> and that those were incredible men. But anyway, they they sent uh, someone over to us there, and we did photo shoots and and uh, the what I, the article that came out the the journalist 
made a point of saying and Drabo is sitting here with her, you know, 15 bottles of supplements and vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's true. So you're lugging this. I mean, for a while we were lugging around, I was lugging around, you know, weights. And then the, um, the band got together. They gave me um, like water weights so that you could fill them up in the venue with water instead of lugging around weights. Oh, nice. And then um, I had one of those pulley stretch stretch things that you could do but it was always about looking for ways to you know to exercise and to stay in shape and in that group because you know the, the touring was extremely hard just you know night after night after night long distances and I mean frequently it was just sleeping in the in the vehicle you know and then uh yeah and then I think the last tour one of the two, two last two tours I did in Swans it was I read in my journal this is the sleep or eat tour <laughs> you get one, one you get one other. or the other yeah <laughs> so I always chose sleep <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah given the choice between the two sure yeah uh, <laughs> I think musicians can relate to that oh yeah 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 uh, yeah yes, it's exactly a little too much sometimes the uh, so the idea with and originally it was just called skin right and then it kind of became world of skin was, was... well what happened was um discussing different names for it and then um it came out over in in england and then to we were going to bring it out out in the united states and there was already someone else calling themselves that oh, so it got true. into some kind of legal territory and where they were willing it was like i think it was they were only they, they said we could buy the name or something and it got kind of complicated like, buy so the then, name we can't um, buy lunch you kidding me <laughs> yeah so, so, so i just said well you know well we should just do both of them release them together that michael's uh, solo album shame humility revenge and then mine which is what they both were but we'd worked on each other's i mean i did a lot of you know vocals and keyboards and stuff on right. shame humility revenge so so it was they were both um you know kind of relating in in that way but so we decided just to combine them and um, I mean, that was my idea to combine them, and then we just released them under that name, so because we couldn't use the other name. And so now, um, you know, in discussing this about a year ago with Michael, he had said, "Why don't you just go ahead and put this out on your own?" Because he released uh, he's you know released some of his solo stuff alone, like Drainland. And so I uh, so I'm doing that's why I'm doing it on my own. So it's under my name. So I'm incorporating the name of the project, and I don't want to get into any you know, conflict with artists that are currently using that other name. And there are quite a few of them. There's some in, based in England that go up that use, uh, use the name skin for their work. So I decided just to release it and just to keep it simple and release it under and keep everything simple. Right. Right. <laughs> under my own name. <laughs> well, at this one, you got such a huge body of work anyway, uh, that, you know, it, it almost makes more sense to have it be, I guess, re they call it retconning, right? <laughs> to retcon it into yeah. uh, it being a Jarbo, Jarbo joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so that's cool. I'm very happy to, to do that. I don't know what will happen to the material on 10 songs for Another World. I guess yeah. uh, we'll, I'll find that out later and see what's going <laughs> to happen with that. Because you know that has some really cool songs on it, so uh, definitely, um, definitely. So, but I, I, I am doing uh, with the, with a company in Greece. I am doing um, the next. The sacrificial cake is coming out on vinyl, and that hasn't been on vinyl for a oh, long time. Yeah, that was like eighteen, that was, right? 
That was alternative. It was temple. originally released on well, it's uh, 1995, and that was originally released um, in a, a, a package with Drainland Michael's album, and so that was on Alternative Tentacles. Yeah. So now that um, he's put out Drainland on his own, so I'm putting out Sacrificial Cake on my own with the, uh, the Circle Music, which is in in Athens, Greece. So. I'm pretty excited for that to be coming out too. So I'm going to keep on putting out, um, you know, selective um, albums into vinyl because there's a, a demand for for vinyl now, and the, the fans yeah, yeah. really want this this uh, you know elaborate packaging and you know, colored vinyl and all this kind of stuff. So so the the skin blood woman roses. I'm really excited about this. I chose this color. It's it's called Dracula. Oh, <laughs> and nice! And yeah. it's like a tra- transparent. It's a transparent black and red. It's like they knew it's you were coming. Perfect. <laughs> it's the perfect color for this album. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, it's literally it's in yeah. the name, right? You got blood in the name. Yeah. <laughs> and sacrificial sacrificial case going to be on going to be lavender because the song lavender oh, cool. is on there. And lavender is if when I look at my streaming and uh, and all that with my reports that I get. That is like the wildly popular. That's like the number one, <laughs> the number one song. It's like incredible. Everybody loves lavender. Yeah. So, Good so too. that's going to be lavender. That the color of the vinyl. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That that that's great. Well, yeah, and and, and you hit an important point that it's. It's interesting that vinyl is not only back, but like the the limited edition collectors like art item aspect of it has become such a such a normalized thing, um, which is great. When yeah, you're trying to, you know, keep it, it is. And, you know, it, it's funny because I remember, uh, oh, gosh, I don't know what year this was. I went not to name drop, but I was talking with uh, a well-known musician named Manor James Keenan. And he uh, he was at my house and we were talking about this, the problem of, of um you know uh, where everything was going with the with the digital and, and artists making money, and he said that's why they were going to do this extremely elaborate art because the idea was to make the 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 the, the physical uh, representation, the physical uh, uh, album, um, to be uh, collectible. So people would buy it. So that was a way to kind of compete with the download and streaming that seemed to be taking over at the time and so artists were wondering how they were going to to compete with that so i think that that kind of attitude was in a lot of musicians heads and so i think that that's um kind of was given birth to this making making um these elaborate kind of objects yeah i mean that comes up uh, quite often on this show you know and not not mm-hmm. just on this show but you know in, in my own life and in, in music as well that it's it's you everything is instantly available. And if you look at it from the perspective of being able to reach people, you never would have been able to, that's wonderful, but you still got to keep the train moving. So, yeah. And, and so my, my, my interpretation of doing it was to just give everything I had such that I started painting covers and creating personalized everything I did myself. And it, you know, and, and, and the height of it, was talking about this one the other day. The height of it was when um, Soundtracks of the Blind came out and I realized that the albums that I was on had put so much into myself that I had, I couldn't do art versions. And I, so I started painting those and they got more and more elaborate. Initially, they were, they were, you know, more abstract. And then they got to the point where they were like, 
like really serious works of art. <laughs> and, and I spent weeks on every single one. And so they were shipped all over the world. I mean, people were buying them all over the world. And this was, of course, before the pandemic. And so the, the mail service was still working perfectly. Uh, <laughs> and weren't so those the days? Good things. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> ship, yeah. They were able to ship these giant box sets, you know, four albums and all the heavy packing you have to do so that they arrive safely. Now, shipping them everywhere. And, and you know, I was just, my life was painting. That's all I, I was painting. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of artist that you know. I'm willing to. I'm willing to to give that much, and and people were very understanding. They were like, "Sure, we'll wait for one month for it to be shipped." You yeah, know? you're we're, getting we're, something we're, super unique. Yeah, it's it's there's yeah, nothing like it in the world. <laughs> yeah, and and so that's that's you know again the same kind of idea. So rather than mass producing it, everything is one at a one of a kind. Yeah, and that's I think I think that's a great push for artists that uh, has mm-hmm. happened because Spotify is not going to be able to do that, you know. <laughs> well, then that springboarded to people asking me to do paintings for them, and so then I had to buy canvases and invest in paint, a lot more paints and all kinds of stuff, and so then that that has turned into that now, where I still get these commissions and do these. Uh, you know, and and they they'll just say anything that you feel like doing. You know, anything that you're inspired to do at the time, just do it. So I'm also doing that now, and I I didn't think I was going to be going in that direction, but so so the painting and the you know the physical art is kind of going along now with the audio. And of course, another thing I do is I'm one of the um, the advisors on the on the, the board for the National Parks Art Foundation, and so oh, wow, cool. So I I look at um, you know the proposals for artists wanting to do residencies, and so that's helped because I get to you know I have an intimate uh, view into to what other artists are doing to try to get these residencies. So the whole art aspect has become you know kind of part of my life now. <laughs> so it's not just not just uh, it's not only writing music and words. Well, but how cool and to recording. have somebody. Yeah, but how cool to have somebody that actually is an artist involved with that, right? I mean, you'd like to think that that would be a baseline uh, thing when you're talking about uh, that kind of situation, but it assuredly is not. So it's that's actually really awesome, and that's something that you know that may not get like the glamour headlines necessarily, but that's allows you to do some some great work there too, and then that's you know mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I don't like. I, I realized I don't really care for. Um, this idea of uh, I may get there, but the idea of things being prints and mass produced, I I still cling to a very DIY aesthetic with it. I still cling to this I made it myself kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and I may get to to uh, you know when I finally um, get a book out of of, of you know selected memoirs and, and 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 writings that will have to be probably you know taken to a professional printer and do it something like that but but i do prefer something that's been touched you know by by, by the an actual person's hand instead of a, a mass-produced thing for art well it's the one thing you can't just push a button on the computer and get right i mean everything mm-hmm. everything else in the world you can yeah. but <laughs> you just can't do that like i mean then nothing's ever going to be able to replace that and i think i think that's beautiful mm-hmm. i think that's awesome oh good <laughs> 
and it's it certainly keeps you busy. Yeah, I'm sure. When when did you actually take up with the painting? Because is that something that you like done casually your whole life, or was that like more of a recent development? Uh, my father started me in that direction. He bought me, you know, an easel and all this kind of stuff. And 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 and. But what's interesting was he was really pushing the whole charcoal thing on me. And so the last few things I've done, I've been experimenting using charcoal, mm. and I'm really liking it because the shading that you can do and the subtle nuance that you can give is is something I'm really enjoying. So I've kind of made this journey from oils, acrylics, watercolors, and now into charcoal and pencil, and and that's something I'm really excited to explore. And um, so I'm kind of loving that now. And of course, that's getting away from color. So, but uh, the one of the things coming out, I did this this band approached me. Um, it's a collective. It's an electronic collective called Black Leather Jesus, mm-hmm. and they're based in the United States. And anyway, they they wrote me and and asked me if I want to do a split with them, you know. And so I decided, what a perfect time since they're electronic and experimental. I, I thought, what a perfect time to do a crazy like remix of Walls, which is something I did before yeah. I joined Swans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a and, and so I, I remixed it. With separate tracks that I had, and, and I remixed it and just made it completely different. And uh, <laughs> and so that's on one side, and there are things on the other side. And when I asked them about what kind of art are you thinking about for this split, and they and and I said I, I have could submit something, and they loved what I sent. And so that's going to be one of these charcoal things that's going to be on the cover. So I'm very very excited because <laughs> that'll be, you know, it'll be cool, like something that that. Um, that I drew is going to be on, on the cover of it. So that's, that's, so that'll be neat, you know? And so that was, uh, that it's a charcoal, uh, it's, it's an energy field where the energy field is came from <clears throat> a letter that I got asking me if I would lay my hands, you know, on something, you know, laying on of hands. And so I said, well, I could put my hand on a piece of paper and, 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 and trace <laughs> it. And then I can fetishize it for you. I can add textures and colors and chakras, whatever you want. So yeah. like, oh yeah. So that's what I do now. So it's literally this energy field of you put your hand on there and then you just really shoot every possible vibe of your body onto it right and so you can you can tell them you gave energy your energy to it so the energy field one of the energy fields is on the cover of the split with black leather jesus and so that's 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 pretty exciting it's a, it's a literal lane of hands too, which is great. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Not figurative, literal, which is which is great. Uh, well, that and that's kind of a theme, you know. When I did this performance um, years ago, I got this work in progress grant, and I and I wanted to do rock theater because I thought, well, I have the money, so I'm now going to do rock theater, and they have a bunch of people on stage. So I think we had like 15 or so people on stage, and so it ended with this. Um, out demons out um, you know ceremony it was really fun and so we pushed our hands out you know and, and chanted to the audience and um, then uh, Kimber Fowler Kimber of, of uh, the voluptuous heart Karen Black she came shimmying out <laughs> and, nice. and, and, and as like the demon you know it was oh like sure yeah <laughs> so so I really love the idea of that you know so we ended the show chanting that and we had our hands up. and so 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 what we do is we we had we came out and we actually put the our hands up onto the forehead you know to cast it out you know so I've, I've had this theme of of 
the hands before yeah in my work and and you know and of course blood on your hands is on <laughs> on the album that's coming out on consoling sounds so yeah so that's kind of a theme i guess which is <laughs> and that one's uh that one's a record store day release right the the skin blood record blood store day and in, yeah. in europe is that the same day as i don't know i guess I, I, I guess it, it seems yeah. like record store day comes uh, earlier every yeah, year yeah yeah <laughs> uh, good good question yeah. uh I don't know. We get a real time fact check on that. So Saturday, April twenty third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this label because um, they have a wonderful um, record store in Ghent, and I was able to go to that with when I toured with Father Murphy, and it's amazing. It's like all this kind of blonde wood, and they have a like a coffee bar in there, and <laughs> it's really really cool. They're very nice. cool people. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Uh, you know, um, I so I think that there's. Uh, and there's a lot to be said uh, and has been said about Record Store Day for sure. But I think this is exactly the kind of release that sort of embodies the spirit of what that is meant to be, which mm-hmm. is like celebrating something yes. kind of unique and cool. And maybe you're like familiar, maybe you're not, but it's like presented in this new and interesting way for the people that it's for. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there are people um, I know some people that in Europe that even you know bought the original and they're they're interested in this one because you know just because it's a it's a it's a commentary yeah and a, a revision and and so I I think that um you know it's it's I'm feel I feel really good about it I think it's going to be very cool and and of course the the remastering is very impressive so yeah do you find that I'm thinking back to the collaboration with Neurosis now. Uh, that okay. I, that's such a cool that's such a cool collab and that for me it embodied the uh, two great tastes that taste great together <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. sort of sort of mindset of like oh yeah that like it made sense when I heard about it mm-hmm. right uh, was was yeah. that was that something that did that come apart, uh, very naturally like how did you approach that stuff that's an interesting story because um, I was driving along late at night in my truck years ago and this song came on college radio and I turned it up because I just, it resonated with me mm-hmm. and it had a woman's um, kind of background vocals and the music wasn't typically, um, I would say wasn't typically rock. It was more textural. So I, I liked it because it, it felt swans like to me. Yeah. And it, and I called the station because I couldn't, and it turned out to be neurosis. Oh, fantastic. So I told Michael about it. I told Michael yeah. about it. I was all excited. I, you got to hear this song. You got to hear this. So they, um, they played, we were in Atlanta then. They played Atlanta. They played downtown Atlanta. And we went down there to the show and, um, and met them in the dressing room, and I I knew they were coming from California, which is where they were living at the time. So at the time, I happened to be growing hot peppers in the in the the garden I had, and so I I brought these hot peppers to the to the dressing room to give to them because I thought, oh well, they'll like that because they <laughs> they're from California, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and they like you know hot peppers, and because I know Michael liked like like salsa and hot peppers. So they were thrilled, you know, they loved the hot peppers and they're all happy to, to meet us. And it just was a great, you know, sense of friendship. And, and so that's how it started. And then um, I think there were some conversations 
uh, about management and booking people. And so, so Swans wound up working with the same booking people that were working neurosis at the time. And, and so it just, so then um, we just kept in touch and, and they, this is, you know, pre everybody sending emails. So Steve was sent, Bontil was sending me letters from the road, physical letters from the road. Oh, yeah. And it was on this really cool uh, tribal, um, you know, custom tribal stationery that they had. And um, so we just kept in touch. And so basically the reason why, and I, I, we talked, we wanted to work together. And the reason why it took years for it to actually happen was because they were never off the road. I mean, they yeah. must have toured for two years straight. I mean, they were always touring. Especially that and time, yeah, yeah. So finally, when they stopped touring, was when um, they had a break from touring. Uh, um, uh, Steve uh, uh, contacted me and said, "Hey, let's let's do that now." You know, so so that's really kind of the story of how how it happened. And and the interesting thing about the um, the rehearsals for the six shows that we did live was um, I was fascinated to see how they rehearsed. And they rehearsed in a studio in Oakland. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it used to be um, down, down the hall from, from us, actually. <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> well. Well, what was interesting was, was how disciplined and how incredibly, yes, yes. Um, uh, I guess I would say, mathematically timed everything was. There, it was a, a different way of working than the way I had worked in Swans rehearsing. Um, it was, you know, counting right down to a, spe a specific place, change, counting right. So when you're doing vocals, like say the heavy panting on yeah, yeah. Uh, within and, and all this kind of stuff and, and, you know, receive when it's more of a bluesy vocal, um, you know, there was no room for kind of um, being in the moment and, and, fe and feeding off of the crowd as it were, responding to the crowd. You are, you are having to be, fully aware of of what you're doing because it's going to um change it's gonna so in other words it got to the point where like the breathing and stuff like that i was literally having to put my hands behind my back and count you know with my fingers like right. <laughs> yeah yeah totally like, re ready for the because then it you know, immediately goes into that little piano part so you're having to literally give this heavy you know panting live on stage in and out in and out just non-stop you know and 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 then boom go to the little piano part <laughs> yeah 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 because it's, it's it's like a high wire act almost to a certain degree, yeah, so, right? yeah. yeah so when you know when you're recording that obviously you stop you know and then go back and do the the little singing part you know so in this you know doing it live it was like boom, boom. <laughs> so, so that was that was really, really incredible how how um, how they how they how they work live. Just so disciplined and very much like architecture to me. So definitely, and and I mean, can you tell me a little about like uh, you know one of my favorites on that one is a race. Like it's just so it's so intense. I mean, not that the whole thing, not that the rest of it's lightweight, but that's just, that's one that kind of speaks to mind. That you know, do you remember anything specifically about that? Yeah. Song? Well, the thing about that album lyrically was it was all completely um, personal and taken from uh, you know my journal, my diary entries of my life and so so it was people I was dealing with and 
situations that that um, you know were part of my my life then. So in in a way, it was that particular track was almost like a kind of a, 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 a like a vitriolic purge in a way, and and so that was very helpful. And and I think that you know I don't think there's anything self indulgent about that because to me, what I've learned in music is that the more that you do work like that, the more personal, the more intimate it is. Even if you abstract it, you know, you're not mentioning somebody's name. You're just it, then then the audience seems to to really respond to it. I yeah. mean, they're they're like, you're talking to me. You're speaking to my life because those are universal experiences and feelings so that's that's my take on that and and um i mean you know the song there's a song on there you know it's 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 about the death of my father and and then there's another song on there about the death of my mother and and my mother was a devout roman catholic so that song has the hail mary prayer in it and and so the the song about my father was about who he was this incredible memory this incredible you know, educated uh, scholarly person who who had uh, to have surgery for a, a, a brain cancer for a tumor to be removed from his brain and so he when they rolled him out of the op- the operating room uh, he he I leaned over to him and and he, and hit my ear to his mouth and his his he said you know burning burning and so so these are completely you know diaristic like real real words and within is um you know uh, from living uh, at the bunker which is what we call the, the 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 rehearsal space the raw unfinished space that we lived in in new york and it, the, the technically ninth through mub but the entrance was on sixth street so it's really sixth street and and uh, all we have is this little slit of a window and so people would walk by the night, you know, the night people, and right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the drug dealers, the pimps, the prostitutes, all this, and they would walk by, and um, the, a lot of people would be mumbling to themselves because that was a thing. I noticed that everybody did on the sidewalks in New York, in the Lower East Side and the East Village in those days. They would be lying to themselves, and so so people would be coming up from uh, um, from Avenue C and beyond. They'd walk by our, our our little window, going to B and up to A, which was where the action was on A and. And so that you know, I'd hear, I'd get you know, little, little glimmers of expressions and words, and I would immediately write them down because I realized that oh, that's what writers do. You know, I mean, they take they they talk about real life. They get they study, you know, they study real people, and and create characters out of those. So that's where that came from. It initially, was a man mumbling up up the street saying, you know, if God wants to take me, you know, he he will. He'll just take me. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. that became the main uh, repetitive, you know, and and I did that for the rap, the rap version of "Girl Come Out" on, on the this record coming out, the CD version. That that this was the rap. The rap was a man talking about literally using a gun, uh, and so I, I we interpreted that to mean you know an adult adult item <laughs> right right he's a different maybe a different variety of gun yes exactly <laughs> yeah so, so, so but i mean originally it was i just it was just me running down what i heard which was kind of terrifying yeah of course yeah that's uh well and 
yeah, it's interesting that you know uh, picking up those uh, picking up those those bits and pieces of ephemera and kind of putting it through your your own kaleidoscope. Right. I mean, that, that's sort of, yes, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Writers do it all the time. Yeah. So it's, you know, and, and I think that's what makes a good, a good writer. And I think actors do it as well. You know, when I do character mm-hmm. study to, to portray someone in a film. So it's, it's important to kind of be aware and, and the more aware that you are, the more that you look and listen around you, you know, instead of just internal, internal, yeah. then I think it opens portals. I want a hundred percent. And I think that that's, yeah, that's, that's both very cool and very heavy and, and, and something worthy of respect uh, to think about. Uh, I, I want to speak a little bit about, uh, well, I, I guess it's, it started with um, storm coming on the, the, the song with, with Jesu, but then it was, uh, oh, was yeah. it, it J squared? Is that, is that what the, it ended up being called? But uh uh, J2. J2, yeah, yeah. J2, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Represented as J Squared. But tell me first about Storm coming. I'm a big Jay-Zoo fan. In fact, I've been dancing around with Justin Broderick for coming on this damn show for like four months, and eventually we're going to do it. But uh, how did how did you uh, first meet up with Justin? And I love him. He's, he's very great. sweet, and I love him. Um, well, I heard uh, – I what magazine this was. It was a magazine, and um, – it, I did one of those what you call blindfold listening things. Oh, sure. Where they, yeah, you don't they know what me, it is, but they send you stuff they, to listen yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. So they sent me this music, and so I was able. To, I was talked about it, and then sometimes I would, if I recognized, you know, the sound, I would say, "Is it so and so?" So um, one of the things that they sent was Yesu, and and i just fell in love with it i mean it was yeah. so beautiful i couldn't believe it it just was like 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 pulling me to pieces i was so moved by it and so i wrote you know what i felt about it so i think that may have put us you know him me or him and i think it kind of put us on the radar together yeah, yeah. and then um i think uh oh gosh how did it happen then it seemed like somehow there was some kind of uh conversation about doing something together as i recall and so it's like write words for this and and sing it and and it just the music it just it just came uh, out just so when it comes out like that that fast and that and again that was diaristic i mean that could have those words could have been on the neurosis sure. album be, yeah. because they that is a really true words from my journal about living uh, in the East Village. <laughs> yeah, more people yelling about, things that, in the street, right? <laughs> that, that is exactly what it was like. We had a we had a, a steel door with a police lock on the inside and two deadbolts. Yeah. <laughs> and so the police lock, if people don't know, you pull it out like a tension bar, and it you slide two big metal bars across it. That's how dangerous it was to live there. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it's true. You'd open the door and it, and it would be interesting. You'd open the door and there would be all these, um, you know, professional, um, I guess, like umbrellas and lights, whatever, because they were shooting a fashion shoot right there. <laughs> so not talk about a so study in be, dichotomy. So yeah. there'd be like a, a model standing there in front of the graffiti. Yeah. And you go, oh, excuse me, I, I live here. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get out of your way. 
So that would happen, or <laughs> you would open the door and there would be a man urinating with his pants, you know, his pants down, urinating. Yeah, yeah. So all the dice. <laughs> every single day there would be puddles of urine and yeah. hypodermic needles and. I mean, it was unbelievable that the, this the sea of, of danger waiting for you outside the door. And Michael had a sign on the door that said, you know, to keep door closed, don't just leave it casually open, you know, death outside. <laughs> and then he and he grew he, and he had a, a, a drawing of a skull. Right, right, right. So death outside. Um, I'm, you know. I'm laughing, but in solidarity, you know, I've been in that situation before. <laughs> yeah. So, so everything I said there, um, be walking, um, you know, and believe me, I dressed like I mean, I wore baggy black coats. I was never showing off anything up there. I wore caps, covered my head. I mean, really, I covered everything, even in the hot of summer. I was never attracting attention from any men. And so you'd be walking back from the post office carrying, you know, because I, I was the schlepper, you know, I was the one that answered the fan mail. I was the one that picked up the stuff being shipped to us. I was the one shipping stuff off, promos, that kind of thing. So I had be walking back from the 14th Street post office and it was inevitable. Some, you know, open, some man would open the car door, ask me to come in. Yeah. And, and I, they would say all kinds of things to me that, that are just <clears throat> XXX, they yeah, would say to me. Sure. And it was unbelievable, just unbelievable harassment from, from men, just nonstop harassment from men yeah. when I lived there. And so, so it's just, so, so, you know, it was, it's like, and then, you know, there was one time when uh, at night I had to go to the store and buy something and these men started chasing me and, and so you do this thing where you hide behind the curb of a, a bumper of a car oh, i mean it was unbelievable and then they run by you know and then you wait and you go the other way and this is like like so so yeah so that's that was a completely true about about those words for a storm coming on is is my god it couldn't be more perfect description of living at that address in those years <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's like a casual brutality. Like, people just sort of accept it, but good Lord. I mean, that's, that's. Yeah. So and then, heavy. so of course, you're thinking to yourself, you know, how did I get to this? Like, look, this is my life, you know? Like, <laughs> it's like, like I'm living in a war zone of, of, you know, of, of dealers and, 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 you know, debauchery. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And yeah. I, uh, but I, you know, the interesting thing was I was um, studying a, a type of boxing before I moved to New York, and I, um, I, I remember the things the teacher said about, you know, the the fingers that stay together slay together, and so every time <laughs> that's great, I love that. <laughs> every every time I walked around and I wasn't wearing gloves, <clears throat> my fingers would always be formed like you're ready to do a karate chop. Oh wow. And then Michael taught me to the bottle trick. I guess it comes from the prison yards. So you you take a bottle and you walk in the middle of the street and you're just kind of swinging it. So it's kind of like, you ready for this? Right. <laughs> just try it. So I also did that. And so I walked in the middle of the street, swinging a bottle. And um, we would be recording in studios, you know, in the city. And, and uh, you know, I would walk back you know and and uh like like say over on broadway and i'd walk back 
And this saved me many, many times, you know, this swinging the bottle in the middle of the street. And no one messed with me. I never got mugged. I never got attacked. And yet everyone I knew had you know, turned the corner. They have a knife at their throat. I mean, you can't let your guard down. And that was another thing the teacher taught me and taught the class was you cannot let your guard down. You can't be if you're walk, you can't be walk casually walking along, you know, arm in arm, rosy dozy. You can't do that. Right. You, 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 go- <laughs> you, you send a signal with your body language if you can be mugged or not. Yeah, yeah. And so I I think that, that that teacher in that class, I think that that um, really helped me when I moved up there. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy that, that just, you know, having internalized that is just part of your life, you know, as this, that's, that's just how you get from point A to point B to, you know, accomplish, you know, these, in some cases, very mundane tasks. Uh, that are- well, yeah. And, and, and of course I never, uh, never did any drugs and never drank any alcohol. And so I was always completely alert and sober. I never went to the bar scene. Yeah. I never made those, re- and all the other, you know, the musicians, I mean, the musicians would finish rehearsal and they would just, you know, pile out of there into the bars. I mean, that was a whole whole lifestyle up there for musicians and i was like the lonely dork you know the uncool (laughs) (laughs) i was honestly the uncool dork you know because i would stay behind and be working on my solo material you know which you know became like like uh, you know 13 masks and beautiful people limited and sacrifice and i would stay behind and 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 would just be working on a little casio you know in the living area because the rehearsal space would be unbearable full of all the cigarette smoke and you know so and of course i never I didn't do that either. So, so, so I'd be sitting in there, you know, alone at night, you know, <laughs> little headphones on, working on the Casio, creating music. Right. So that was me. <laughs> and I didn't understand the lifestyle. I didn't understand the appeal of, of, of drinking in bars. I, and so, you know, I felt I was an outsider. I guess I'll put it that way. I was an outsider. Well, it seems like you kind of work best in solitude and where you could have some focus on whatever it is you're working on to a certain degree. Well, also, um, I was talking about this to a woman who was from the neighborhood and she's now moved to Seattle. She's a nurse now. And she, she, we were talking about the fact that the decisions that you make when you're younger, like they catch up with you later on. And you may not think that the smoking and the drinking and any drugs you take, you may not think that that's going to catch up with you. You'll maybe just perfectly fine. You're creating, you're performing it's going to catch up with you. (laughs) It's going to catch up with you. There's any number of people you can ask about that, that we knew and, 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 and may still know. And, you know, you'll see, you can see they catch up with you, you know, and it's kind of incredible that some people live as long as they did, you know, without really radically changing their lifestyle. And it, it catches, catches up with you. You know, your teeth will go, your, your voice will go, your, you know, your hearing will go and, and you're more vulnerable to things like COVID, you know? And so, so I think that um, it's something to remember that you may think it's cool now, but it's going to catch up with you. If you, if you want to maintain your ability to, to do your music or whatever it is you're doing, then, you know, you might want to think about 
exercising and, and that sounds everybody's that sounds so boring. Well I've always done that. <laughs> no, I, but you're dead on. I, I mean, right? It's I mean I've been yeah. So I'm I was running, you know, I mean I'm a runner. I was running but and then when the when the lockdown happened, the parks were closed and I couldn't do my running. And right. so I um have the got the uh, the rogue echo bike and so that's great because it's exercising your upper body and your lower body um so i mean now i mean i i get up i get on that thing immediately and i get my workout over with every single morning and so so it's like it's just a a mental attitude that you have about how you're gonna how you're gonna live and and what is the price you're paying you know so i'm all about exercise and supplements and <laughs> yeah yeah well and being around for the distance right being around to continue and, to, to be in the in and the getting thing. getting yeah at least eight to nine hours of sleep and there's a way of doing it you know when i toured with father murphy i was so happy to find out they were the same and right. and <laughs> yeah. they always made sure that we you know uh, had short drives and that we were able to get a good night's sleep before the next performance so yeah, this is yeah. the way to do it yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go. Yeah, as you as you mentioned, probably was not the case on those early Swan tours with the the, uh, you know, <laughs> the sleep or eat. Tours. No, and then the very first tour I did when I was basically the helper, you know, the carrying the roadie stuff. and the yeah yeah, Ca- yeah. carrying and and then uh, and even holding on to things so they could party. Uh-huh. Um, staying behind and holding on to things, and I did that later on too. Uh, the person like I can remember. Gosh, pulling in all these guitar cases and trying to keep the elevator doors open. Oh my God, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Those have, who have like, not done it, it's not easy. And they keep trying to close, and I'm like, come on, come on. Trying to get seven, eight guitar cases pulling in because oh you're taking them up to your room so that everybody else can go out. And then there was a time when I had to hold on to somebody's passport. And then it's just kind of like, yeah, so that's a, you know, you're like mom, I guess. You know, your mom. Right, right um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, but yeah, the the um, the very first tour, they were in a. Uh, like one of those low kind of vans, you know, like not, oh, yeah. not a station wagon, but not really a, a, a van, like a low kind of a, a v- in between vehicle. I call them doorstops. Yeah, I know what you're and, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, that's when I learned that, realized that there I was in a, a window with the windows rolled up in this vehicle and every single person was smoking. Ugh. And that was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I, I, I really, I was in the back, you know, where the windows wouldn't roll down. And it, so that was the kind of stuff, you know, that, that I remember was of going through is, is, you know, the, the, just the lifestyle was, um, the, the choices were, were really kind of shocking when, when I did that tour. Um, I, I went over there with just a backpack and uh, bike shorts and a unitard <laughs> and uh, wrestling boots. Nice. And I had a um, short, kind of like a buzz cut. So, I mean, I looked like your, <laughs> did not look like I was metal or rock or any of that stuff right, I, yeah, looked like yeah. a, I looked like a you know the wholesome with a slight punk punk edge to it and uh yeah so that so that was um that was a real eye-opening tour for me well and you got to see a bunch of was, loud sweaty shirtless men you know doing 
<laughs> just grinding away the yeah. thing too, which is which is such but a dichotomy. Know, I, <laughs> I, I I treasure those memories and the experience because uh, there were cool things like uh, there were some venues that they played. I guess they were like state funded art venues or something, and, and uh, in, in certain countries. And I can remember um, like they were completely unknown. No one even knew what the music was going to be like. And I guess promoters didn't even know how to promote it. I don't know. But there was a, a few times when I was the sole member of the audience. And yeah. <laughs> so I had the luxurious experience of laying on the floor. Right. You get a listening private show. To the, <laughs> well, like listening to the, the Incredibles uh, 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 bass and, and yeah. um, you know, sub frequencies coming up uh, through your body. And that, that was kind of amazing. Really, yeah, like, like really appreciating the show with no distractions. And the shows were incredible. I mean, they were mind-blowingly great. And every single one, I didn't see a single show that I, I didn't think was just brilliant. And yeah, so there were, and then the other thing was they were, um, I think, basically stranded in Berlin for a while, a couple of weeks, I don't remember. And, and um, so I had flown over there and uh, I, we got to stay at um, Blixa Bargeld's um, home and in Berlin. And that was that was really great, getting to know and Sturzen de Neubalten and, and hanging out with, with them, you know. And, and of course, I was a huge fan of, of Neubalten. And so this was like a real thrill, you know, <laughs> to, to get to know them. And um, I was there when Swans did their um, show at the Loft, and uh, they were opening for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and so that was cool, you know, and getting to to meet them and to to um, you know they shared the same dressing room, and then I had an intimate you know view of of that show, and and then that would later happen with the Kings of Independence tour when they were on that tour, and so you know so so these are really incredible. Um, uh, you know, experiences that, that I had, you know, even though there, it was, it was hard and rough kind of, kind of yeah. life. They were, um, you know, privileged moments for me. I consider those to be privileges and, and it was an honor. So then coming at it from having such an intimate uh, knowledge of the music and uh, being uh, such a part of it, from the outside and then like you came in like what it was like first with like what the samples and then like later the later keyboard and vocals right like it, it was sort of like a, a gradual transition in uh into swans right? yeah the the i mean i did the blood curdling scream right. on <laughs> i think it's time is money that was the first vocal i ever did in swans and and, um, which, which is up there with careful with that axe, Eugene, as far as I'm concerned, for like excellence. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, well, it's kind of interesting that that, that was the, the, the first thing. And then the last thing live was the same kind of a, 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 you know, approach. It was a, it really wasn't a scream, but the, the hardcore growl. On the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of interesting how, how the, it's booking. But, um, <laughs> right, I, exactly. <laughs> I think, um, and of course, he did ask me to do uh, some stuff on the Seer. So, that was, yeah, so, so that that's in there too. But, um, yeah, so, so I was working with a 16... Uh, second digital delay, delay rather by by electroharmonics. The the big uh, had, rectangular one, right? The the big uh, yeah, the very yeah. first one that they ever made. Actually, actually not that. Yeah, but it wasn't that big. It was, but uh, I I had I had all these cassettes of those that I was making and and um, using them in experimental kind of 
kind of work because I was heading in the direction then, pre-Swans, of doing art gallery work with voices and, and, and these these cassettes of these samples or, you know, they were just loops that, you know, they continue to degrade. And so you add layers and layers and layers and you can make interesting, yeah. interesting things with that. So I, I, I gave a lot of those to, I brought them over on the 84 tour and, and they were listening to them and I offered those that they could use. And, and um, so it kind of started with an entry to that. I'd also made a, a, a cassette of, of me singing all these different accents and different kind of, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, songs and characters. I also submitted that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I basically submitted, um, you know, auditioned or whatever, you know, to, to be considered as, as a, a audio component of that project. And um, so it took, I think, you know, it took a while, like when they started doing the, the Dollar series for Some Bazaar, right, yeah. started yeah, yeah. Recording, uh, recording with them in the studio. And, um, and then the first uh, song, if you can call it that, uh, on Holy Money, and then... Um, the B-side uh, first version of Blackmail, which was me playing the Casio. And then yeah. he added Al playing this dirge bass note. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that was one of my favorite versions. Um, yeah, so so it, it started with the, the you know, live uh you know, uh, samples and, and that I'd made and, and uh, sounds and vocals. And then um, I wanted, he, at the time, he was talking about adding a second bass player. So I was then looking at bass guitars. I was going to learn how to play the bass guitar. Right. And um, then that changed to when Harry uh, Crosby left the group then uh, and he was playing sounds, rolling them up and down from a cassette deck on stage with a foot pedal. So then Michael said, well, now Harry's gone. So instead of using the cassettes with the sounds, we'll actually make those sounds. So that's when I investigated the Insonic Mirage right. and <laughs> bought the Insonic Mirage and a very expensive road case for it. Yeah, the, and the, then, the, the notoriously um, that's sturdy what, Mirage. Yeah, exactly. I know and that's what opened the door to that that you know and of course i was telling someone the other day about this the problem was there's no monitor i mean it was all by ear these adjusting these parameters to create your sound it was a nightmare and 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 the, it then came with a big thick technical notebook right explaining yeah, all these like numbers and parameters yeah 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 totally yeah and, <laughs> and you, you had to load the operating system well it was on a diskette thing. right it was like the uh, like a disc or something yeah yeah, with the diskette. And so then load in your sounds. And the problem with this was <clears throat> in those days with the venues that we play, we drew basically all of the juice from the building. Oh, <laughs> we, no. we drew the entire juice. So we blew the uh, fuse box uh, over and over and over again. And so the problem would be, you know, you'd have to wait, you know, and then it took a long time for this operating system to load. And then you'd have to put in your diskette. So you can imagine that the electricity is constantly going off. Oh, my off. God. Every the time you got to reload your sounds. <laughs> oh, no. It was, it was hell. It was hell. And, of course, you have to maintain decor. I always believe maintaining decorum on stage because yeah. you're a performer. So, of course, you can't show the audience that you're freaking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just calmly 
without looking like you're panicked, load in the upper. <laughs> and in then the as disc. soon as you get the sa- sounds in there, boom, the electricity would go off again. Oh, man. What a drag. <laughs> there was a show in L.A. Um, at that it, it was so frustrating with this electricity situation that I just gave up and I just sat on the side of the stage. I was like, fuck it. I can't I give up. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it's like this damn thing is not going to work. It was so funny. And then uh, I remember one time Rob Collins, who was um, in England, he was the one that was working for Sun Bazaar at the time, and that was um, K422, and then later Product Inc. for Mute. He was the one that said to me in those days, why don't you just you know, make the sounds with your mouth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like beatboxing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm sure I could have somehow approached that like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so I was, and then, of course, taking the thing throughout Europe, this didn't get me started, uh, because yeah. it's also sensitive, it was also sensitive to cold, Oh no! And so we were traveling through the Alps in a blizzard, and <laughs> and so you know, and 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 we played venues in parts of Eastern Europe. Yeah. In 1987, when we did these shows there that were, uh, let's say, uh, not exactly on the up and up in terms of the government, and so we would do these <laughs> shows throughout Eastern Europe. And, um, you know, we would rain down um, the ceiling. The paint chips would rain down and get inside the circuitry and mess it up. And then uh, I learned to put a tarp, like a tent, over top of the keyboard because, um, you know, like like strange drops of water and moisture in the venue would come down and, and, and damage the circuitry. So it was very sensitive and inappropriate instrument to take on tour, especially in, in Eastern Europe and, and through funky kind of venues in the United States. <laughs> well, and now, now it's easy, right? Because they, the things are not meant to necessarily just be a studio only instrument. Like you can have a keyboard and of course you'd, you know, bring it on tour and it wouldn't have to say boot off a diskette. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so we move from, and of course, you know, it's kind of like the Coke bottle, the media that drops on, you know, from oh, the wow. plane. <laughs> I, 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 when taking that thing through parts of Eastern Europe, no one had seen anything like that before. They would come up on stage and look at it and examine it and ask me questions. And so that was kind of cool, like to show, you know, something bizarre like that in a part of the world that you know, it was new. I mean, it was a brand new device, you know. Um, but but when, when we just decided just to have the slave, you know, just like a, a, a Yamaha or just a regular keyboard, and then it would access the sounds, uh, through the rack mount with the with the sampler, you know, and with the processing of you know the the, the MIDI verb and all that stuff, full full rack mount access that changed everything. I mean, that made it easy because you know you weren't relying on this this in, installing this operating system and all this stuff to get your sounds. So I left that left that initial instrument as soon as I could and it was big and heavy and valuable in those days. It's expensive and um. Um, you know, I, I took it into the my hotel room every single night. And so playing places like Amsterdam, where the staircase was straight up, oh. 
sliding that thing on my stomach oh my like a snake up the steps. I'd be like pushing it, inching it up, inching it up, inching it up, you know. And of course, it could fall back and kill me at any time. But <laughs> just because, you know, you, you're literally going straight up. Yeah, yeah. So you had to kind of push and get it into the hotel room because it was, it was deemed I could never, even if the, the, the van was, was backed. Uh, with the the back doors against a flat wall that didn't exist in some places like in Amsterdam where where we stayed this particular place that we always stayed um, you, you parked along the canal there wasn't any wall to to protect the back of the van and yeah. so I'd have to bring the thing in, into the you know the Quentin Hotel it was called we had, I would have to push the thing up the up the stairs and bring it into my my tiny room. <laughs> oh god that's I'm, I'm exhausted just hearing about that that's that's so rough <laughs> <laughs> lift weights yeah lift i was gonna say, so, I was gonna say <laughs> good thing you're in shape yeah uh, the gla- <laughs> that's the glamour stuff right there that's what they don't they don't tell you is that's the glamour stuff is <laughs> it really tests your dedication for wanting to do something right well it was beautiful when we finally had the means to have a, an actual roadie to where you know i didn't have to um undo all the cables and, and load everything up myself. Um, that was, that was a real, really beautiful thing. And I have nothing but complete respect and, and adore roadies because, <laughs> because when you do the show and then to have to do that as well, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it can be pretty exhausting. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, let's say it's an unsung profession. Let's, let's, let's put that that way because that's absolutely the case. It's, we had speaking of roadies, Hank Fury, the roadie on the '97 tour. He went on to become a roadie for, you know, bands like the Rolling Stones and Madonna, and, and right. he and, uh, he, uh, he uh, is responsible for getting me in to see some of these incredible performances, and not just any ticket, like very expensive, luxurious tickets. Oh, nice! So nice. I really, uh, uh, I, I love, um, I love the roadies. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's awesome, and that's um, yeah. I mean, talk about dedication, too, and especially I'm thinking of you know the the run up to that Children of God era. Like it had to be like the crowds were probably somewhat rowdy, uh, I would imagine as well. Like if you know maybe maybe yeah, you know, but yeah. Well, I mean, another thing I have to mention in terms of the, you know the, the the physical aspects of of some of those years, those tours. There was a, a tour we did where we traveled with our own PA truck. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now the good thing about that was, it was dependable every single night. You yeah, knew you what the monitors know. were going to be like. You knew everything was good to go. So that was that. But I mean, it was a huge, huge truck. So, <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, that's um, at certain point you got a convoy going, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like a whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, so, and that's it's amazing. So you've had all these incredible experiences. You've played all these different kinds of audiences and, and stuff like that. I, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel disingenuous to not mention uh, the incredible Chris Force. When, when did uh, Chris become uh, come to your attention uh, from Amber Asylum? We were doing a show at um, the Great American Music Hall. I think it's called in San Francisco. Yep. One of my favorite venues. And um, oh, I love that venue. So That's beautiful. where I perform with neurosis. Yeah, I love it. And um, this was the first time we played there. And um, Michael uh, said, this woman is going to be joining us on stage. 
Um, her name is Chris Four. She's going to join us for this, this you know, instrumental intro kind of thing. And so that's when I first met her. Was was when she joined us on stage, and and um, she's talked about it. Um, I think it was in the book, the book written about Swan. She talked about uh, how uh, there was no prep, and so she said she during the show she just watched Jarbo's hands to see what <laughs> what she should play. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> she said that the sound check was just uh, some screaming and yelling, <laughs> and so she didn't get to prep it all musically is what she said and that sounds about right <laughs> um yeah there's a lot of screaming and yelling at, at in the, the sound checks yeah. and the and the rehearsals lots of lots of drama yeah uh but yeah so that was when i first met her um and we became uh you know, really good friends and i was asked to do like a baltic kind of the tour i think this was 2000 and four i think mm -hmm. and she um she joined me for that and uh we you know we her her band amber asylum has toured with me and, and opened for shows and, yeah. and we've played together great band for shows and, and i i she's just uh i mean my gosh she's she's my go-to i mean i'll ask her so many technical questions she knows everything and and she's an incredible mastering engineer and she's uh she's really the best i mean i i you know i can't say enough about her she's a consummate artist and she's so educated and and so uh, knowledgeable that she's um she's like the person i always go to for, for any kind of quit we have we working together we started uh, well, i don't want to talk about people's names but uh, uh, in a bad way but this gentleman <laughs> came and, and uh, gosh, oh, a year ago, over a year ago, and, and said he was doing a film and wanted to, directing a film, wanted to know if we would do the soundtrack for it. So I, I said, sure, if you will agree for Chris to be working on it with me, because nice. we did the path together, yeah, and yeah. she can she can bring it home. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And so we worked we we good work together as a team. So anyway, so that fell through. It, the person just vanished after we started uh, working on it and so that so this thing is uh, almost done now we uh, we have thor harris thor harris involved in it and we have uh jackie from amber Sun working on it and then i did um uh, like a poem that i wrote when i was a teenager on it and and a bunch of you know background vocals and some keyboard stuff and then she played uh, a bunch of instruments herself of course and so so that is something that we're we're working on, but I don't know how we're going to get it out there other than we'll probably put it on Bandcamp or something or something like that. Yeah. Well, Bandcamp's a great utility for, for things like along those lines. Yeah. It makes it easy for yeah. to connect directly with folks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's a, she's a really good friend. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's definitely something that seemed like it was a natural pairing of, of awesome uh, artists together, uh, much in the same way as your collab with Helen Money with Allison. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, another another stunning. My God, she's just she's also uh, a, a knowledgeable and you know she's extremely musically uh, uh, you know trained and just you know technically proficient as well as very passionate with what she plays. And she's amazing. But uh, another person that I admired 
and and well still admire and was thrilled to to work with on one of his songs and that's joseph and Rysum. and he um did uh, something that i just absolutely adore the soundtrack for only lovers left alive oh and, my god what <laughs> so, a great what a great great soundtrack i'm actually i did i do this movie oh my show. god it's just incredible i'm on this movie show uh as, as like a whatever co-host and we just did that movie recently and I had, it had been a while and i was like oh my god this soundtrack's amazing like this is yeah. like one of the best soundtracks yeah. ever it's so good i know it fits the film perfectly it's and perfect. it's really where an example where you know the music is is super enhancing the film you know like it's just just a perfect marriage you know and and i i think it was like i don't know a couple of years ago the wire i think it was the wire asked me to to write this thing about favorite albums or something and that's impossible to do you know and so <laughs> right yeah. so there's so many great and i said well not in any order but on my radar at, at the moment that i answer this question that's all i can say right and so i mentioned purple purple vu of course and and things that have really moved me, you know, throughout my life. And, and then I mentioned that soundtrack. So apparently he saw that. And the next thing I know, he's asking me to um, sing on a song on his album. And he, there was a part where he kind of speaks and he wanted me to do that part too. And so I, I said, well, do you, do you want me to perfectly match your phrasing? And he said, yes. And so, you know, the way to do that is not just through hearing. The way to do that is to physically look at the the frequencies. Yeah. And 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 to match it. And so, and I know how to do that because I was asked years ago. I was asked to do the voice of, of of the maid, uh, southern white southern maid on um, <laughs> the the Venture Brothers. Oh, that's right. And, I forgot and, about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's how I did that too, was I watched the frequencies of the audio of, of there was a, a guide vocal of some man just doing the actual syllables. Yeah. So I watched and here's the problem with that. The cartoon character's mouth was already formed. So I had to match the cartoon. Oh no. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And so, so, so that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So I really enjoyed doing it because I was able just to pull out that that accent, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing. So, so it's not at all uh, uh, the same, except for the fact that the methodology of watching the frequencies of a pre-recorded vocal helps you to perfectly match the syllables and intonation of that voice. So you hear and you also see. And so I did that and we, and it was just perfect. And yeah, so I was, I was so happy that he asked me, right? So then the next thing I know, um, we're being asked to do a, a tour together. Oh, wow. And I'm hoping that this um, planned tour um, happens. It's November into December in Europe. And um, incredible yeah. because, you know, with the state of the world right now and, and this this pandemic ebbing and, and, and tiding and, and and then, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I think like I, like a lot of musicians, got so tired of their tour being postponed yeah. that, you know, and then ultimately canceled that it's like now we're all kind of skittish. Like, is it going to happen? Is it? <laughs> is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, you get burned so, so many times that you just you don't even want to get hope uh, that it's gonna. You just don't want to. It's anhedonic uh, almost, so to speak. 
I know. And, and 2020, we had the most beautiful, perfect tour in, that I can't even dream. I mean, I was just so happy. It was all these venues I wanted to perform. And, and, and I was thrilled. I was beyond thrilled. And I was just crushed. I mean, just just crushed when it, <laughs> when it fell apart, like crushed. And so, so, and we we had this multimedia whole show planned, and and so all that work, you know, and and then um, to have it taken away, and so, yeah, it's just so, that's, so it oh, kind of you know makes you disheartened, and then everybody's like, oh, we're going to do it next year, no, we're going to do yeah. it, no, no. no. <laughs> so now it's like, is it going to happen in November? Let's hope so. So yeah, it's almost like you don't believe it until it starts, right? But. Yeah, and of course now we have something else that's come along, and the problem with that is on the news it says, at least right now, it's saying that airfare is just going to go through the roof. So you right. know you're planning on flying to Europe to start a tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know the the folks that are being enriched anyway from artists <laughs> trying to yeah. Great. Well. Yeah. Well, that's 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 kind of a bummer not to end on. But yeah, that is, that is a that Vox Populi uh, uh, song on Ex Mortis. Um, I actually forgot all about that, frankly. But that that is a really cool collab. Like that was, I would love to hear more, you know, uh, more from that because that's a real that's a fascinating fella. Like that's this is, he's fascinating and 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 so unique. You yeah, know, very unique. I mean, yes. not many people pay, play that instrument. And he, um, uh, this is going to suppose this is a plan. I have to say, planned, right? Um, it's a co-tour. Uh, you know, we're not, you know, d- doing a show together. It's like a co-tour, and and uh, but I think it's going to be good because now I've decided to take things in a diff- completely different direction, visually. Like now, I want um, just a real like 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 Samuel Beckett theater. I mean, I just want it to oh, be cool. stark. Yeah, yeah. Stark and bleak, you know. <laughs> just we're not gonna. We were gonna have like this film and all this stuff, but and so now I'm now we're gonna. I'm just gonna have everything very, very um, raw. So and and it's kind of to complement, um, you know, the vibe that that I get that I get from his his work. And so I think it's it's, it's about the music more than it is about. Um, sitting there in the dark with a film on you, you know? Yeah. It's almost so I think that unadorned this is, or something. Right. So that like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see, but, and I'll be behind the keyboard, which is what I was going to do in 2020. And, uh, so now I'll do that on this tour if it happens. And I haven't, the, the last time I did the keyboard live on stage, any kind of keyboard was a, was like a experimental, um, festival thing. And where I had one of those headsets, you know, with oh, the right. mic in front of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Madonna you know, headset. Like Madonna, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was wearing that <laughs> and then playing this, like, keyboard with these samples and, and even samples of my voice. And so that, that was the last time I did. So this will be interesting. But, um, yeah, so I'm hoping it'll happen and it'll be with uh, P. Emerson Williams on guitar and electric guitar. And so I think that uh, he'll he'll do uh looping and 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 you know layers of 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 uh tones and stuff so I'm, so this is it'll be cool but let's just hope it happens well i'm putting all the positive energy in the world that i have uh towards that happening because i think that sounds freaking awesome so there's lots of cool cool uh bands on the road right now so there are it's you know it's i deep. think that 
Um, they're doing it somehow. So <laughs> I just I just saw my my bud Dave Paho play in Gang of Four uh, last week, which was surreal and absolutely beautiful and life affirming. It was wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah! Wow. Big shoes, but he killed it. Go ahead. Oh, I'd say he had Good. Big, yeah, I mean, Andy Gill was, you know, kind of one of yeah. my favorite guitar players of all time, but he pulled it off with a plum and vigor, and it was uh, it was an amazing time. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Nick Cave, it's, you know, uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis is uh, there. I think they're in the U.S. right now. Um, but they didn't play anywhere near me. So, I, uh, But I think there are some groups coming. I'm hoping to see Warjuna in uh um before in september before i leave if i leave and and um you know they're playing a big theater so i think that um i'll, I'll brave it and then the mask mandate is gone for a lot of the country it all, de- it all depends on everybody getting vaccinated which yeah. is why i don't understand why people don't get the picture you're trying to kill something yeah you try to kill something you kill it by stamping it out <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh into subject yeah, yeah, that's um I agree. And it's 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 weird up yeah. I I I've gotten in trouble on this show by getting too rowdy about my opinions on it, but I got strong ones on it. So uh, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll 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 leave it at that, but I I firmly believe that this is never going to be over if people don't take it seriously and have some empathy for the people around them and that's all there is to it. Uh and Yeah, I just I just see it as a as an enemy attacking and and exactly. fight it. That's all I see it as is, a, is I yeah, I, I believe in fighting back, not just laying down. Yeah, pretending so, it doesn't so exist. Def- <laughs> exactly, that, it, that's not really going to fly. fight back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree with it's you. It's pretty simple. But fortunately, uh, members of my family and friends are all like me, so I don't have to deal with anything. Yeah, it's 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 a different podcast, to be <laughs> to be clear. About yeah, yeah, I, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, but I would very much totally like right. this to be over, and it, I, I would, yeah, that's that, that, that'd be nice. It'd be, ni- it'd be nice to be able to have nice things again, and maybe we all can be a little more appreciative of them uh, when, when, when we do. That would be nice. To I know. Do you know I haven't been out to dinner since, like, January 2020? Crazy, right? I mean, I really <laughs> want to go out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the littlest things is like, oh, yeah, remember that? Remember when we went out to dinner? Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> it's so wild. Uh, Jarbo, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this Oh, with yeah, me. it was really cool to meet you and to, to talk with you. So, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm very excited about the new releases. I'm very excited that you're, uh, as always, uh, relentlessly doing cool stuff. The last thing I bring up it's the only can question that i ever ask folks that are on the show and you can choose to interpret it however you like but why do you do what you do well because i have no choice it's just a compulsion it's just that there's no choice there is nothing else i can do (laughs) nice i mean i think you know the interesting thing I'm going to quote Michael Girard here. Nobody asked a butcher why he cuts meat. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> I like that. That's that's solid. <laughs> Jarbo, thank you ever so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay, thank you. All right, bye. Oh, there she goes. The living Jarbo. What a great time. Let's hear a couple tunes.
It's a race. That is a powerful song, my friends. <laughs> uh, before that, we had... So that's on the Neurosis and Jarbo record. Before that, we had a Storm coming on... Off of the Jezu Lifeline record. Uh, featuring, of course, the wonderful Jarbo. And then uh, Crimea River. Which that, that's a Julie London song. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. 
which of course is on the Skin Blood Woman Roses record, now available. Uh, record store day. Go get it. Go find it. Go uh, go support a, a lifer, an, an artist that is this quite badass. I thought that was a great conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed that. So yeah, the name of the show is Code Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so very much for listening to it. You can find this show usually, no, always really, Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, Radio Nope, RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. Also streaming these days on uh, Facebook, YouTube. Twitch, Protonic Reversal Show, Protonic.Reversal, on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the the things. Just look it up. This show is always available for free at the archives, ProtonicReversal.com, always free, no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal to get access to the episodes sooner. And uh, by doing so, you also support the show, which is, which is, which is lovely. And that's $1 a month to get you there. Thanks for folks sharing the episodes around, letting people know about it, liking, subscribing, all that business. It's how people find out about it. It's appreciated. It's fire the fire, become media. Stay safe out there. Dark and lonely. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. 
Got my radio. 